0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Head of the pack, I'm Matt Schneidman here with Bill Huber.
2: From the Lambeau
1: Field press box, after the Packers' 36-28 to 28 win over the Los Angeles Rams here in Week 12, Packers are now 9-3. And three, three and a half games up in the NFC North with five games left on their schedule uh, heading into the bye week. They sit half a game back of the number one seed and lone playoff bye uh, in the NFC. The Cardinals are, are still 9-2. They were off this week. Packers made a statement today, you know. They didn't have, obviously, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Josh Myers. They lose Randall Cobb at halftime after his big first half. We're past the storyline of this team can win without injuries. They've already proved that. But, Bill, what this win, to me, said more than anything, and, and this is what I wrote my story about after the game, is just a couple weeks ago, there was all this chatter about, oh, the Packers aren't all in and the Rams are, just because the Rams are getting Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr., And the Rams are offering Odell a veteran minimum. It's like, the Packers don't really want to win. They never make in-season splashes. But guess what? Going all-in comes in different shapes and sizes. And just because you don't get the big names doesn't mean you're not all-in. They have Rasul Douglas, Devondre Campbell, Corey Bohorquez, Randall Cobb. New guys, role players that have this team positioned, perhaps better than any team in the NFL, to win a Super Bowl this year. So... I think the job Brian Gutekunst and his staff have done to build this team into a contender is remarkable. And Aaron Rodgers said, um, "You know, this team reminds him of that 2010 Super Bowl championship team. That they're getting contributions from guys who it seemed like no other team wanted, um, and he's not sure why no other team wanted them, but they're delivering for the Packers. And, and we've seen what it's done. They're nine and three with a with a much
2: deserved week off." Yeah, that 2010 comparison is great, Matt. That that team had, and I don't know the exact number, I want to say they had 18 guys on injured reserve that season. And that's when injured reserve meant your season was over. There was none of those 3 games stuff that you got to come back. It was 18 guys, I want to say, who were out for the year. And they started guys like Eric Walden, who was picked up off the street. Howard Green, a defensive tackle, like a 330-pound guy, he was on his way back home to Louisiana after getting cut by the Jets, and the Packers signed him on his way back home and he came back up and was a run-stopping force and had the big hit on Roethlisberger on Nick Collins' interception. Those are the kind of guys that Rodgers is talking about. It was was not the Odell Beckham kind of players. There was no big midseason trades. It was a bunch of role players, and next man up became next man up. But the key guys were there. Rodgers was there. Jordy Nelson was there. Greg Jennings was there. And it's the same thing with these guys, Matt. I realize that Bakhtiari is not there, but Rodgers is there. Adams is there. A lot of their key players are there, and those are the guys they're winning with. And Rasul Douglas is on a practice squad like eight weeks ago, (laughs) man. I mean, it's absurd, isn't it? Bill, you've said
1: before, you know, was it the same week that all that Stephon Gilmore chatter was going around? And instead of trading for Stephon Gilmore, the Packers signed this guy named Rasul Douglas, who in 2021 had already been with the Las Vegas Raiders, the Houston Texans, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Packers were his fourth team in 2021, fifth team in the last calendar year. And here he is just making plays left and right. He has the pick in the end zone against Kyler Murray a couple weeks ago to seal that one against his former team. Um, And I remember him telling us after that game, you know, on a practice squad, you kind of wonder what your purpose is. I'm paraphrasing here, but he's kind of withering away on the practice squad. And then Ever since going in that game for Isaac Yadam against the Bears on the second drive in week six, he hasn't really looked back. And, you know, he's been a stalwart corner. Granted, he didn't have a great game last week against the Vikings, but I would say he's been a stalwart for them ever since he's been here. And and today, I understand he gave up the, the long touchdown to Odell Beckham Jr., but he had four really nice pass breakups and the pick six of Matthew Stafford that really put the nail in the coffin late in the third quarter to put the Packers up 19, he's been a godsend for this team. It's not often that an all-pro cornerback like Jair Alexander goes down and you can just obviously fill his spot, not with a guy who's his talent level, but a guy who gets the job done and helps you tread water until you hope Jair can come back. So Rasul Douglas has, has been phenomenal for them, given you know the expectations coming in. It seems everyone likes him. Um, He was talking tonight about how the locker room has made him feel like family. And why can't he be the next Eric Walden or Howard Green or him and Corey Bohorquez and and Devondre Campbell can be that next group of guys that you can look back on this season and say, man, when we signed those guys, nobody thought anything. And now they are real important role players en route to
2: a Super Bowl. At some point... Yeah, I, I you keep you keep waiting for it to all kind of fall apart. You, you know, I did last week, but that you know, every team has those kind of games, but you keep waiting for it to fall apart like it's for Sewell Douglas. He, for Sewell Douglas isn't that good. Eric Stokes, he's gonna play like a rookie. You know, Chandon Sullivan, he's gonna he's gonna have some meltdowns, but they just keep turning out winning performances. You know good great job by Goodakons finding these guys, and obviously Jerry Gray's a pretty good coach. I'm exa- I'm understanding his role there. Um, it is, it's remarkable what they have done. And you I mean, look at the outside linebackers, Matt. Yeah, Gary played today, but you've got Zedarius is on, Zedarius Smith's on IR, Whitney Merciless is on IR, Chauncey Rivers on IR, Randy Ramsey on IR, Jonathan Garvin on the COVID list. So you got Preston Smith, you've got one elbowed Rashawn Gary, you've got practice squad promotion Tepa Nalier, and practice squad elevation Ladarius Hamilton <laughs> Mike Smith's
1: a pretty good coach, too. He's a pretty
2: good coach. It is unbelievable. They keep pressuring the quarterback. They didn't blitz tonight, Matt. Maybe maybe you have the numbers from True Media handy at some point, but it's not like they blitzed a whole lot, and it's not like they blitzed a whole lot this season. And yet there's always pressure on Stafford tonight. Um, I think they had eight pass breakups altogether. Good heavens. That's pretty good. And and finish your
1: thought while I'm looking up. There was a good next gen stats uh, stat that I saw they tweeted. I'm looking for it now about the pressure on on Matthew Stafford. Um, I'm going to have to try and find it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was only two sacks. Clark had one, and Gary had the, the sack strip in the first quarter that really got the ball rolling. But I just, I just don't feel like Stafford had, it's like the same month of Sundays back there. He was, the Packers rushed four. And he didn't have, you know, they dropped seven of the coverage, and it's not like he had a chance to survey and survey, and eventually somebody could somebody. he didn't have that luxury. The, the, right. the rush eventually got there and made him throw some passes probably before he wanted to.
1: And it, it's here's what uh, Rob Domovsky said. This was from ESPN Stats and Info. Uh, Joe Barry sent more than four pass rushers after Stafford only once in his 40 dropbacks. Dang. That's the third lowest blitz rate, 2.5% in Stafford's career, and the lowest such rate since 2012. And th- and they were still able to to get after him and make life uncomfortable for him. So uh, a really good job by that Packers defensive front. Bill, I want to talk about Yash Nijman, and I know it says Nijman in the pronunciation guide, but I listened to Yash introduce himself on Sunday Night Football in Week Three, and he says Nijman. So yeah, I think but what does he know? <laughs> I think we're gonna go with that. <laughs> uh, we were just talking about this before we started recording. There are probably some teams in the NFL who don't have one starting caliber left tackle. The Packers have three. They have David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, and Yash Nijman. And for a third-string left tackle to come in against the 49ers, against the Steelers, now against the Rams, who um, have the second-highest pass-rush win rate in the NFL, according to ESPN Analytics, and I understand they devised the game plan to get the ball out early. There are probably some chip blocks that are in there. But Yash has has held his own. Take Aaron Rodgers' word for it. Take Matt LaFleur's word for it. This is a guy who hadn't really shown us anything since he came here as an undrafted free agent in 2019. And he's blossomed into this guy that you can just plug in there and, and rely on to protect the blind side of Aaron Rodgers. This isn't some some, you know... Ho hum duty that he's being given right here. And not to mention, his 6'8 big ass is pouncing on fumbles
2: in the red zone, too. I mean, what can't this guy do? I, I remember I asked Turner about him on, was it Friday? Is that when the time he yeah. talked to us? And Billy said he's pound for pound the most explosive guy on the roster. Yeah. Um, he was that 2019 scouting combine. He was, I mean, he did have legit testing numbers, which is why the Packers, A, signed him and B, have stuck with him. Obviously, Bakhtiari doesn't play the preseason. Elton Jenkins didn't play the preseason either. So Bakhti- or uh, so Nijman took all those reps in the preseason. I think he had like 150 snaps in, in three games. Won his role on the roster. You're right, he gave two sacks against Cincinnati in Week 5. Otherwise, he's been fantastic. Von Miller is an all-decade player. He is number one in the NFL among active players in sacks. Von Miller's now, a maybe, future Hall of Famer. He's a future Hall of Famer. Maybe he's not that guy anymore, but he's still a damn good football player. I mean... A damn good football player. And as Roger said tonight, he kind of forgot that Nijeman was out there and that it's the best compliment anybody could ever say about offensive linemen. It listen, Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd
1: are gonna get theirs. And, and Greg Gaines, one of Roger's workout buddies in the offseason, um, and this is why I like the the ESPN analytics stuff, Greg Gaines is the number one interior defensive lineman in the NFL in run-stop win rate. Or he might be number nine and Sebastian Joseph Day is number one. Either way, Greg Gaines is a very underrated player. And the the Rams have guys all along their defensive line, not just Donald and Miller and, and Leonard Floyd. And the only sack Rodgers took tonight was what he called that phantom sack when he's scrambling up the middle and, and Gaines trips him up for that zero-yard gain, Pun intended. Um, I thought, obviously, the run game didn't get going what, the Packers ran for, let's see, 32 carries for 92 yards, so 2.9 average, that's really bad. But the presence of the run was there. And some of those were on third and short, second and short, when A.J. Dillon is is pushing bodies forward and getting the only two yards. Some of those aren't designed to be long runs. Some of those are designed just to get, you know, two yards and keep the chains moving. And how many times did we see A.J. Dillon tonight um, – not only in the passing game with yards after catch, but in the running game with yards after contact. I mean, Taylor Rapp was just like a, a <laughs> stuffed animal out there trying to tackle A.J. Dillon, and that's what he brings to this team. We've heard so many times about that cold-weather Green Bayback that he is. It's extremely valuable what he can do after contact in the running game because a running back who can get you eight yards, sure, that's valuable, but what might be just as valuable is a running back who can turn a zero-yard gain into a four-yard gain.
2: And that's what A.J. Dillon can do almost every time. Yeah, he was really good. And for all the people who have complained about Matt LaFleur and Mike McCarthy for years before that, about if the running game doesn't work, they'll ditch the running game, they're going to start chucking the ball over the yard. They didn't today. Dillon and Jones with the 30 carries. Um, kind of kept, I mean, it certainly kept the Rams honest where you just can't go tee off on your nine-toed quarterback. They, it, it, they did just enough keep the Rams honest. And as Dylan said after the game, kind of kept them ahead of the chains. It was always second and seven or second and six and not second and 10. That's a big deal when you face a really good pass rush and your quarterback's wounded.
1: It's a good point. Listen, I I think if we're talking big picture NFC here, the Packers have positioned themselves really well. Um, You can say the Cardinals are the best team. You can say the uh, the Buccaneers are the best team, or the Packers. I think the Cowboys and the Rams have kind of taken a step back here in recent weeks, but you know they could be right there at the end when all is said and done. I'm gonna take a look at the Cardinals' remaining schedule,
2: and we'll. Read I've done it, it here. I, I already wrote a story about it, Matt. Okay, excellent. So here we go. Arizona. This is pending the Sunday night game, which may or may not be over as we do this. They are at Chicago, who's four and seven, home against the Rams, who are seven and four. At Detroit, 0-10 1 home against Indy, which is 6-6. At Dallas, which is 7-4. Home against Seattle, 3-7. Seattle plays on Monday against Washington. It is a total of 27 and 38. Three of their six games against teams 500 or better. For Green Bay, uh, Green Bay, here we go. Home against Chicago, 4-7. At Baltimore, which is the hardest. Game in any of these schedules, I think. Uh, at Baltimore are, seven and three. Lamar
1: Jackson has thrown four interceptions tonight as we speak. So might it might not be.
2: Home against Cleveland, six and five, obviously pending this game. Home against Minnesota, five and six, and then at Detroit, 0 and one. And then Tampa, don't forget about Tampa, they are a game back here. Mm-hmm. Um Tampa's at Atlanta, five and six. Home against Buffalo, seven and four. Home against New Orleans, five and six. At Carolina, five and seven. At the Jets, three and eight, home against Carolina again, five and seven. Their totals thirty and thirty-eight. So neither of these three teams play a really good schedule. I um, mean, I would say Tampa against Buffalo and Green Bay against Baltimore probably the hardest games that anybody faces. And hey, if the Packers can get that by,
1: who knows? That could be the difference between, let's say, they want to give Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith, and maybe even Bakhtiari an extra week to rest. That that bye week is going to be crucial this year. You know, it is every year, but especially
2: when there's only one to go around. Um, Yeah, you know, if it's going to be Arizona, where do you want to play Arizona? Do you want to play him there or do you want to get Kyler Murray on a maybe treacherous treacherous surface when it's really cold for a bunch of guys from Arizona? Definitely here. Seems pretty, I mean, Tom Brady's obviously made for this because he's played 8 million games in New England, but... Man, you would just think that Arizona would not be, not be at home here.
1: And you know, if if the Rams come in here, we just saw what can happen if they do. Mike McCarthy isn't going to win a game here. That that I mean, maybe just because that story would be incredible, but I don't think the Cowboys can come in here and win it in a, a crucial playoff game. Um, yeah, it, I've stuck. I said before the season, the Packers are winning the Super Bowl, and I'm sticking to my prediction. Now, they do have a couple very important injury things to take care of. Rodgers will know here in the near future if he needs surgery on his toe. He doesn't plan on missing any time and will, it seems, forego surgery if it would require him to miss time. Um, David Bakhtiari, they'll reevaluate him after the bye. Aaron Jones toughed it out and played this week. But for guys that were on the fence, like Aaron Jones, Rashawn Gary, Alan Lazard um now with alexander and smith like this bye week is, is crucial yes it's been a slog to get here but aaron Rodgers was asked tonight I, I believe you asked him bill you know if you had told him that they would be without all these guys and have all these injuries and be nine and three going into a week 13 by what would he have said and i believe he said i would have said that's a pretty damn good start and he's right
2: yeah it's amazing and you it go it goes back to that left tackle stuff it, to not have Bakteri for all those games and, and to keep winning is amazing. And then to be without Jenkins, and you're still okay. It's it's you know, the, the Goody's done a hell of a job. Again, it's not the splash stuff, it's exactly how you start the podcast. man. It's not all the splash stuff, which gets all the headlines and it's these really understated things that the personal guys really know what they're doing.
1: Maybe Brian Gudukens does know what he's doing. Maybe. Um, and Randall Cobb, well, I guess we'll find out here soon how, how severe his groin injury is, but for him to play and then to just be immediately ruled out for the second half is a little concerning. Um, but other than that, no, no injuries to report off of tonight tonight's game, at least uh, major ones. So that's tonight's game. Let's get into some questions. We got a bunch from you guys. From the man Mulcahy, impressions on Aaron Jones' first game back. Hard to tell on limited touches into that D-line, but looked like he moved well. Bonus, which player do we think shows his feet to the media next? <laughs> um, Aaron Jones, Matt LaFleur said he wasn't on a pitch count per se. Uh, he had 10 carries, only one target in the passing game, no catches. But Bill, I don't want to open up this cane of worms, but I think, do it. I think Matt LaFleur put it well. It's 1A and 1B with him and A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon is not a backup running back. And tonight, against a very physical D-line, maybe you wanted A.J. Dillon in there for someone who can push that line an extra yard or two instead of Aaron Jones, who, who maybe couldn't get around the edge. You didn't want to put too much stress on that knee. I was surprised he played in the first place. But mm-hmm. um, just get him in there. Add that aura of unpredictability in the running game or what they're going to do use him in motion as a decoy. He doesn't have to have big numbers especially when Dylan is you know, 5 catches for 21 yards and a touchdown, 20 carries for 69 yards. That's fine. And you're not going to nobody's going to run the ball extremely well against the Rams and the Packers did, you know, just enough to to give the uh impression that they were committed to the run and that kind of opened up a passing game that was extremely effective tonight.
2: I have to go back and look, and I probably should have. Dylan's been, I would say for the least five, six games, he's been the more effective player. I agree. Ever I since you said he
1: wasn't good at football.
2: <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> I, 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 I I was questioning whether he was kind of that second-round guy. I mean, if you draft a guy in a second round, you have expectations. I was I was wondering if he was going to fall short of those. I was obviously wrong about that. He's been phenomenal. and And on a day like this, Matt, who the hell wants to tackle AJ Dillon? Certainly not Taylor Rapp. On yeah. <laughs> in the fourth quarter, he just got run over. That's a good point. Uh, which player do we think shows his
1: feet to the media next? I'm hoping it's no one. But yeah, that'd be great. If I could think of you know a close friend of Aaron Rodgers who he could get to, I, I think I don't think it's gonna be anyone. But if I had to pick someone. I could see Bakhtiari doing it when he gets back in his first press conference after uh, they clear him to play. <laughs> kind of like that's the, good, yeah, that's a good guess. The fun-loving guy who's close to Rogers and would be willing to carry out a joke for him, like Billy Turner was. I- I'll say David Bakhtiari.
2: That'd be good. I like that. Maybe Velda Scantling can like come out of a Kenny Clark press conference and you know he just teases him relentlessly. Yeah. Maybe 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 Velda Scantling can can persuade Kenny to do it or force him to do it. There you go. Uh, loyal
1: listener, Cecilia. Besides the great work from the beat writers, what should Packer fans be most thankful for after 12 weeks? Which player contribution should we be most thankful for? Douglas, Campbell, Dylan. Um, Overall thing you should be most thankful for? Obviously, a 9-3 and three record despite all the injuries, I'd say. Which player contribution? I I got to say Devondre Campbell. I know Rasul Douglas and A.J. Dillon are, are real close honorable mentions, but we keep going back to Devondre Campbell for a guy that was on the street in June. You know, this wasn't a guy that was signed in the second wave of free agency. He was signed in the 19th wave of free agency and he's <laughs> become one of the best middle linebackers in, in all of football. Um, so I would say Devondre Campbell.
2: Yeah. Just to go with the, just to take someone different. If you can't stop quarterbacks, you've got no chance in this league and Rasul Douglas has been a godson. So yeah, I clearly agree that it's Campbell, but Rasul Douglas would be my runner up. They would they'd be, up a creek without him. So, I mean, Kevin King's out again, believe it or not. <laughs> Just shock, shockingly. Can you imagine? I mean, so, so, so
1: down, now you're on to Isaac Yadam playing can, corner? Can, can I mean, you believe the Packers wanted Yadam to play over Rasul Douglas in Chicago? No. Unbelievable. That's all I got for you. No. There you go. Um, from Kevin Stalsberg, at the bye, what is your biggest takeaway about this team and their chances to make a Super Bowl run? I think we touched on it. I think... In order to make a Super Bowl run, you can't just have the stars. you got to have the role players who nobody really knows about outside the organization that are making these key plays. Like we've talked about, Douglas, Corey Bajorquez in crunch time when your offense isn't getting it done, pinning the Rams at their own one-yard line with a 61-yard punt that kind of confuses Cooper Cup, so he has to let it let it drop. Then it bounces all the way to the one. Those are the kinds of plays you need. You don't just need the bombs from Rodgers to Adams. These sacks from Rashawn Gary, the interceptions from, you know, Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. You need those role players to make huge plays. That's what they did today. That's what they've been doing all season. And that's my biggest takeaway and biggest reason, I think, that they can make a Super Bowl run. And they can, you know, in years past, it's been Mercedes Lewis, Tyler Irvin, you know, Jared Valdir. But in the past two years, they haven't had this amount, of role players making such important plays and playing such big roles. It was a play here or there in the past, but not to this level, which is why I think they're better positioned to
2: make uh, a Super Bowl run this year than in the past two years. Yeah, I agree with that. They they are so mentally tough, Matt. That's what strikes me about these guys is all the injuries. It, it'd be easy to have the woes Me, It'd be easy to think, well, there's a bye coming up. It'd, be, it'd been easy for Aaron Jones to sit this game out. There's just so many reasons for these guys to – to full, not full, that's not the right way to put it, to exhale maybe a little bit, and they just don't do it. They're just so mentally tough, and that's what, last year was almost too easy at times. Yeah, they had some really, couple of ugly losses and all, but when they won it, was just so ridiculously easy, and they scored a million points. These guys have to scrap and fight for everything, and I think that's really going to pay off come January when, when you're playing a team like the Rams. That, you've got, that you're battle-tested, that you know when push comes to shove, you, you can make the plays. Yeah, I, I will go there. That's what stands out to me about these guys. This is the most mentally tough team I've seen here in a long time. And that's important. From Clay E., who might the Packers expect to
1: get back after the bye week? Um, the word, obviously, on Bakhtiari is he'll be reevaluated after the bye week. I know Tom Pellicero reported he had that arthroscopic knee procedure done To clean some stuff up and was feeling better that would explain why he hasn't practiced in a couple weeks um so they obviously hope to get him back for the stretch run for the first time i saw jair alexander doing some ball drills at practice this week he was doing some agility ladder so it seems like he's nearing a return um zadarius smith was at the game tonight he's been around for a couple weeks they're hopeful he comes back for the stretch run if you can get Jair Alexander, Zedarius Smith, and David Bakhtiari back in December, three all-pro players, I'd say that's pretty good, even if they're not at their normal all-pro levels. We talked about tonight, Packers are trotting out Tepa and Ladarius Hamilton. <laughs> get Zedarius Smith in there. If you can have Bakhtiari in there, for as good as Yash Najman has been, you want Bakhtiari in there. Um... And for as good as Rasul Douglas and, and Eric Stokes have been, if you can move one of those guys into the slot instead of Shannon Sullivan, or even put Jair Alexander in the slot, sometimes you need to do that. So if you can, it, maybe it's not right after the bye week for that Sunday night game against the Bears in two weeks, but if you can get those guys back in the next month or so, that would be crucial.
2: Yeah, you're right, and you're not, they're not—they're not going to play against Chicago. You wouldn't think, but it's—it's it's Baltimore the week after that. Is that right? Uh, so that would give, yes. Th- that would give them two weeks of practice. Obviously, Bakhtiari's practiced quite a bit anyway, so I wouldn't I wouldn't think he'd be too out of sorts. But yeah, maybe, shoot, you just need to get your guys ready for the playoffs. So if you can get if you can, if these guys can play two or three games of regular season and have that be their quote unquote preseason to kind of get off all that rust, that'd be the ideal scenario. Yep. Let's take
1: our question from our our loyal Muckman, our Swedish listener. Is the special team soundtrack U2's With or Without You? (laughs) That's funny. I was going to ask LaFleur tonight. I think it's more of a uh, question for tomorrow because I was going to make a joke. I was wondering when LaFleur and Charles Woodson embraced at halftime, if he was going to ask Charles Woodson if he could return punts in the second half. Exactly. Amari Rodgers slips on the first one. They put in Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb muffs it, turns it over. Mason Crosby misses another field goal. Um, Punt team obviously did better tonight. You know, Henry Black had that huge hit on J.J. Koski, and Chris Barnes recovered the fumble. But... Special teams are not special, as Aaron Rodgers said on the Pat McAfee show a couple weeks back. And, yes, Matt LaFleur will be able to get some sleep on this bye week, but, man, he might lose some over that special teams. The Packers, we keep saying it, special teams has a chance to really cost the Packers a game in the playoffs, and it already has a couple times in the regular season. Um, But if your season ends because of a Mason Crosby missed chip shot, or a muffed punt return. That's a long off-season to sleep on that.
2: Darn straight it is. At least they did something positive tonight, though, right? I mean, you, you mentioned the turnover. They downed a punt at the one, so it was two big plays by the punt team. Um The kickoff coverage was, other than one return, was, was pretty strong. They recovered the onside kick at the end of the game. They made a couple field goals, at least. So there's at least something for those guys to maybe feel pretty good about heading into things, but... Man, Matt, it was a shit show pregame. We watched those kicker drills. Even when Crosby was in a row, we always kind of watched those pregame um, warm-ups of the kickers just to kind of get the gauge on on range and stuff. And kicking to the south end, I'm pretty sure he missed five in a row. Yeah. And after everyone, you could just see his body language of exas- – even on the seventh floor where we sit, you could just see his body language and him talking to those guys – at one point, he took Wordle out, and he was talking to Bajorquez about holds. I mean, I don't know what they're talking about, but— What would you say? You said it's like cramming for a test at the last minute? Yeah, it was like, shit, I got a final a half hour. I haven't studied. Let's get after it. I mean, obviously, these guys have put in plenty of work, and it's not working. And here they are, 45 minutes to kickoff, and they're trying to <clears throat> figure out the fuel unit. My God. Yeah. It's brutal. And I got a question here from my, my friend, Steve Clark. It's two questions here on special teams— a, is Crosby done? I know it's not just him with the field goal issues, but he's is like 87 years old. He's had an outstanding career. And then the other part of it is how much of the success this year can be attributed to the decision that part weighs with J.K. Scott?
1: At the end of the day, though, Bill, Corey Bohorquez, as for as phenomenal of a punter he is, he's paid to hold in the NFL as well. I understand yep. J.K. Scott was a good holder, but... You've had what, a couple months now to work with Corey Bajorquez. At the end of the day, the the reasoning, I don't wanna call it an excuse, but the reasoning of there's been turnover in the operation, I understand that with Steven Wordle because he's newer, but the changing holders, which Crosby used a couple weeks ago, that that's not not valid anymore. You gotta figure that figure that stuff out, man. It's been a couple months now. If you don't have it figured out by now, that's on you. That's not on
2: the, the newness of the operation. Darn straight. Um, and I don't know the exact numbers from this year, but I know last year they kicked the ball as in field goals and extra points way more often than they punted. It's probably closer to 50-50 now, but between extra points and field goals, he's holding as much as he's punting. Like you said, you got to get it figured out because it's going to come back. These guys aren't that good, Matt. I mean, they're, it's a good team, but they're not that good where they can just go P.O.A., three points or six points, right? And just figure, well, we're going to score so many touchdowns. Who gives a shit? No, they're not that good of a football team. Tonight they were
1: because unlike earlier in the season when their offense took a while to wake up, uh, and it's funny because they they didn't score 30s from week three until week 11. And now they've scored 30 in back-to-back games. And in both games, they're upset because they didn't score over 40. And I can't blame them. They should have, you know, they got off to a miserable start against the Vikings. They, they stalled in the red zone a couple times uh, tonight. And Rogers said, I think he used the word bugaboo. He said the, the red zone. You don't hear anybody saying gold zone this year, Bill. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> it, hasn't been, it hasn't been shit this year. You, you, don't, uh, you don't hear them flaunting around the gold zone and Mike Myers and all the dances this year. And I love gold. Because uh, they're not very good in that area, but luckily, uh, Crosby hit a couple field goals tonight, and you know they got a, a big, couple big plays from the defense, the pick six from Rasul Douglas, and, and they didn't have to be perfect. But if you if you get a team like Tampa in here, and it's going to be a one score game, you better convert some of those into touchdowns, and they did tonight. To Randall Cobb, Rodgers ran that one in. AJ Dillon had the touchdown catch, but. A team as good as the Packers can be on offense, you want all of those.
2: Yeah, three out of five, it's, that's, that's not very good. They, they were 80% last year, that's 60% tonight. The league average is mid-60, so it's better, but it's still far, far worse than they were last year, and they're just leaving way too many points on the field.
1: Yep. All right, let's go one more from uh, Matt Pickett, loyal listener. Is Aaron Donald overrated, or is it partly that our banged-up O-line is just that good? Uh, Aaron Donald is not overrated. (laughs) No, he's not. You can say for the past couple years, maybe more than that, he has been the best player in all of football. Not just the best defensive lineman. He is the Mm -hmm. best player in football. A bona fide future Hall of Famer. Um, He would be a unanimous first-ballot guy if he retired in five minutes. He's an incredible player. And in the last two games he has played the Packers, they have devised a really good plan to neutralize him. You're not going to completely stop him. You know that one time where he blew by Billy Turner and wrestled, I believe it was, was it Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon to the ground? For that short A.J. Dillon for a short gain, or no gain actually. Um, he's a game wrecker. But the Packers have done a really good job of getting under his skin the past two games. He had the 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty on Elton Jenkins in the playoff game last year where he grabbed his face mask. Tonight, he didn't get penalized, but he's literally, there's a video going around of him literally choking out Lucas Patrick. And getting under his skin and limiting his effectiveness by getting rid of the ball quickly and kind of neutralizing his pass rush by running the ball, however effectively they do
2: it, I think has been really impressive. That play that you referenced was one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen. He did a swim move so fast that I'm not sure Billy Turner touched him, and Turner ended up on his knees. He was just beating. It was like, holy, that was an amazing play. One of the great plays I've seen in a long time. I got one more question I want to ask, man. Sure. It's so interesting. This is from the real MJR. Has Yash shown enough to be in the running to start at right tackle in 2022? It's a fascinating question because I think for the last three months we've thought Bakhtiari will be back at left tackle next year, and Elton Jenkins has been so good at left tackle they'll put him at right tackle next year right. because and they'll cut Billy Turner for cost-cutting reasons. That's a fascinating question. It's a great question. It's a great quote-unquote problem or a great issue to have. But yeah. that's an interesting. I have no answer for you, MJR. I got nothing for you. It's a great question. That is a great question. And I'll have to ponder
1: over that one because, you know, I think Billy Turner's been pretty under the radar good this year. Is it something, but the thing is, Bill, he was not, not good at right guard in 2019. No, was not. You probably want to keep Royce Newman there to develop him for long-term. 2022 starting offensive line right now, go. I say Bakhtiari, not Jenkins, because he'll still be out from his ACL. True. Um, Bakhtiari, Runyon, Myers, Newman, Turner. And I say Nyman's still that swing
2: tackle. I'll put Nijman at right tackle because I'm gonna go try to talk and look up something as we speak There's so much. Are you about to look up Billy on Over the Cap? <laughs> I certainly I love Over the Cap. Yeah. Over the Cap is one of the great websites in all the world. If you if you're into this stuff. I mean, they are like 46 million over next year's cap. If you move off from Billy Turner That'd be $3.2 million of cap savings. They need every penny they can get. Yeah, I can see Najman at right tackle till Jenkins gets back, and then you figure it out from there.
1: Good stuff. I'm about to tweet my story. I know, obviously, uh, by the time you guys listen to this, it will long have been tweeted. But we thank you guys for listening. We've got a bye week coming up. We'll have a bye week episode for you guys. Um, I don't know at what time that will be, but it will happen and then next up after that is Sunday night football against the Bears here at Lambeau Field. If you're asking if that game will get flexed out, the answer is no, because it's Packers-Bears. I don't care how bad they are. It's going to happen. Uh, we thank you guys for listening, as always, sending in your questions. I know we, we can't get to all of them because we'd be here for seven hours, but your guys' listenership and uh, interest in the show is very much appreciated. So really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you guys next time.